The Bible Study Podcast, episode 269. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study on the kingdom of God with part four. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're walking through verses in the New Testament that deal with the kingdom of God, and we're in Mark at this point, and we'll continue on with Mark 9. And he said to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. Jesus probably confused his disciples with that, but this is the verse that leads into the transfiguration. And so Jesus says this, and then he takes Peter and James and John on a high mountain. So let me continue on with that. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say. They were so frightened. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, Why do the teachers of the law say that Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, To be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come, and they have done to him everything they wished, just as it is written about him. So, going back to the verse about the kingdom of God, he says to them, Truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God has come with power. This is one thing that we learn about the kingdom of God is we learn that God has power. Now, of course, this wouldn't be the first time in this book, the Bible, that we learn that God has power, but it is reemphasized here that with the kingdom of God, that God is intentionally coming in power to reclaim and that God is intentionally coming to break down the way that things are working now as we've said in previous episodes, to act in opposition to the kingdom of this world, that God is not just passively coming in, but that God is coming in as an invader into the way that things are working. Because when we talk about a kingdom, we're talking about an authority, and we're talking about a system of the way things work. Right. If you go from one country to another country, then you have a different set of rules, a different set of customs, a different set of things that you would expect the way that people behave. And as you transfer from one kingdom to another, there are those changes as well. And so we see in this transfiguration that the disciples are struck dumb by Jesus, who is suddenly appearing to them in the uncloaked power of God. They're suddenly seeing him in dazzling white and white that no bleach on earth could make. And he is talking to Moses and Elijah, who represent the law and the prophets. And they get the sense at this point that something is going on that's big. They don't really know what's going on. And remember, the stories here are coming from them. They are the eyewitnesses. And as the eyewitnesses, they report, we didn't know what to say, and we were terrified. 
Peter at least speaks and he says, well, we should build, we should build booths. We should build tents. We should build shelters because he just doesn't know what to say. It's, he's terrified. He's so frightened. And then the voice comes from the cloud and says, this is my son. Listen to him. And then everything is back to normal, whatever normal may be. And Jesus says to them, don't tell anybody this until I rise from the dead. And they say, yes, absolutely, certainly. And then they spend the rest of the time as they're walking down the mountain going, what did he mean by rising from the dead? They don't know what's going on. They know that they got at this little glimpse of the power of God in Jesus, that they get this little glimpse of the son who was there at the time of creation that through him all things were created is what Paul says in Colossians 1. This tiny glimpse of the power of God and the kingdom of God. And so the big point here in terms of the kingdom of God is that it's a small glimpse as they got in the transfiguration of that the kingdom of God is coming with power. The next verse is an interesting verse to have sort of juxtaposed to that, to have next to this series of the kingdom of God and power, because it says people were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. But the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Now, one thing we have to understand is as we're looking back at this verse, this is a great verse that we learned in Sunday school and you talked the little kids this, but we have this very modern view of this. Certainly people have valued children forever, but we have to also understand we're talking about an age where children usually didn't make it to maturity or it was a 50-50 chance maybe that someone would make it to maturity. And our child is and our culture today is more child-centric than a culture would be at this time. And as we look at this, it's easy for us to get a modern concept of childhood and a modern Sunday school way of looking at this. Isn't it great that Jesus loves children? And I think that's great, and that is what it says. But he's also putting the children in a place of importance that they did not have in the society that they were in. And that there wasn't this sort of concept of, you know, a society marketing to children, a society that centered around kids to the same extent that ours does. Children at the time and for much of the time since were thought of as small adults. So when Jesus says, of such belongs the kingdom of God, he's taking those that are completely powerless in that society. And he is saying the kingdom of God is like this. If you have to enter like this didn't make a lot of sense to the disciples. And then it's made worse because the very next story in Mark's gospel is the rich man who comes to Jesus that we read about in Matthew's gospel and Jesus saying, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. And remember, that was a shock for them because the rich were blessed by God, clearly. And therefore, how could it be hard for the rich? The rich are the closest to the kingdom of God, aren't they? And so we get these two verses in opposition to one another, two verses right next to each other that come as a child and not as a rich person, come as someone who doesn't have anything, who doesn't have any power and not as someone who is rich in all the things that the world has. Now, if we think about the kingdom of God in opposition 
to the world in opposition, the kingdom of God versus the powers of this world, then we could see that one of the problems that we have here with someone who is rich in all the things the world has is that they are more tied into that system. They are more tied into the way things work. Clearly, they're able to work those systems to get rich. And so it becomes difficult to untie and to pull out of one to enter the other. And the child who has no power, the child who is weak, the child who is dependent, is not in the same way tied in. And obviously is coming with an innocence and is coming with a trust. And Jesus says, that's how I want you to come. Not as someone who has everything, but as someone who has nothing. Not as someone who is independent, but as someone who is dependent. And these are words that would certainly be challenging to the disciples at the time, and I think sometimes to us, because we, especially here in the U.S., we value our independence. We value our capabilities and all the things that we can do. And Jesus is saying, what you have to offer is as filthy rags compared to what God has to offer. Remember that, that God is richer and more powerful than we are. We are not coming out of our riches. We are coming out of our need. We are coming as a child comes. We are coming out of our weakness. And God says, that is the way we enter the kingdom of God. We come to God because we need God. We don't come to God because he needs us. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. I'm Don Hawkins, inviting you to be encouraged with my weekly podcast, Encouragement for You. To subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.